Gonzaga's offseason hinges significantly on what Malachi Smith decides to do. That is a decision that we explore in great detail on today's episode of Locked on Zags. Don't go away. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of the Locked On Zags podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college now. And when you enter the promo code locked on college, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. All right, it is a Malachi Smith type of day here on the Locked On Zags podcast. We are first going to discuss what Smith staying at Gonzaga would mean for the Bulldogs as we await his official decision. In the second segment, we're going to talk about what it means if he does decide to stay in the professional route. Do the Zags need to make an addition? What could the roster look like with or without a new player there? And we're going to close out the show talking about the three Zags who participated in the G League this past season how they did, what their numbers were, and what that means for their potential NBA aspirations going forward. Wrapping us up here for the week as the next two shows after today are pre-recorded interviews that you all are going to love as I'm out of town for Memorial Day weekend. So some fantastic stuff coming your way here on Locked on Zags. But we start with our conversation about Mr. Malachi Smith. We did an episode similar to this with Anton Watson a few weeks ago. You everyday listeners will recall this conversation. Instead of focusing on what what it would mean for Smith to declare for the NBA draft or to stay in the NBA draft process versus coming back to school, I want to focus on what it would mean for the university, for Mark Few, for the staff. And we'll start here by talking about what it means if Malachi Smith were to come back. On the impression that I'm getting right now, I want to be clear. I've I've tried to kind of give my best guesses with Watson and Smith throughout this uh, process. We're less than a week away from when they're going to officially have to make that decision. So we're very close to the finish line there. But I've been under the assumption that Malachi Smith is more likely to leave than to stay. That is what I have gathered from intel from sources. Nobody's really 100%. Nobody has said anything definitively because I don't think anybody knows definitively. I'm saying this to say that if Smith were to return, it would not shock me. I just think it's more likely that he's not going to be on Gonzaga's roster next season. Now, he did not participate in the Portsmouth Invitational, the G League Combine, the NBA Draft Combine. The odds of him being an NBA player next year, I think, are fairly slim. He's kind of undersized to play that two-guard role in the NBA. Didn't really showcase a lot of point guard skills at Gonzaga, at least not enough to to be an NBA-caliber point guard. So if you were to stay professional, I think it would be – in a league, not the NBA, whether it's the G League or whether he goes overseas. But could that lead to him coming back to school? He would have to answer the question of whether coming to Gonzaga would be something that would help boost his draft stock or not. And that is the question that I think he and his people are kind of wrestling with right now. Because the ultimate question is, if Malachi Smith were to come back to Gonzaga, would he start? Because I'm not sure that he would. But I'm also not sure if Malachi Smith returned to Gonzaga that he would do so unless he felt confident that he would start. Let me put it this way. Right now, if I were projecting lineups, I think I would project Malachi Smith into another sixth man role similar to the role that he had last year. 
But if Malachi Smith makes an announcement that says, hey, I'm coming back to Gonzaga, I'm running it back for one more year, that would actually increase my the odds in my head of him actually starting. Because I think that that means he's maybe gotten some kind of promise or guarantee or at least had conversations with the coaching staff indicating, hey, we envision you coming back and playing a bigger role next year. Because if the staff is saying, and maybe we'd love to have you back as our sixth man, you know, win that WCC award two years in a row, whatever, I think he'd rather stay and take his chances playing professionally. And I don't really blame him for that. So to me, the Malachi Smith starting question is an interesting one. If he does make an announcement that he's returning to school, I think we could very realistically see a starting lineup that would include Ryan Nempart at the one, Malachi Smith starting at the two, with either Steel Venters or Yo starting at the three, depending on how comfortable they are with Yo stepping into an immediate role right away. That is a huge question mark surrounding this team in the offseason right now. Yo could be a, a player who's legitimately one of the three or four best players on this roster next year. He might be a guy who contributes similarly to how Rui contributed in her, his first uh, college basketball season, which was very little in garbage time because he was still acclimating to the language, to the college life, all of those various factors. So Yo is a huge kind of question mark still lingering for Gonzaga as well. And, and as long as we're not sure his role, that makes Steel Venter's role a little bit more unclear and kind of murkies up really the front court and the back court because Yo is 6'8". He could capably play multiple different positions. But I think a reality where Ryan Nembhard starts at the one, Malachi Smith starts at the two, and Steel Venters starts at the three with Ryan, or excuse me, with Nolan Hickman and Dusty Stromer being your backup guards is possible. Nolan Hickman's not going to want to come off the bench. I don't blame him. Uh, I think that could cr create some, maybe not controversy right away. I'm not going to pretend that Nolan's the kind of kid who wouldn't accept that. I think he would more than capably, more than handle that appropriately and, and in a mature fashion. But how many times has Gonzaga had a player start every game and Hickman started every game except senior night, which doesn't count? Um, how many players has a start, player started every single game and then come off the bench the next year? I'm genuinely asking because off the top of my head, I could not think of anybody. And it was, that doesn't mean it has not happened. Ed Gonzaga, Anton Watson has fluctuated between being a starter and a reserve throughout his career, but never put together a full season as a starter and then came back off the bench. I just have a hard time envisioning a role, a situation where Nolan Hickman doesn't start next year. And if that's what Malachi Smith is feeling, that's what makes this difficult for me to project him being willing to come back. But I do think on paper, starting Smith at the two and then having Hickman come off the bench makes a little bit more sense. Smith is more natural in an off-ball role. He played that role last year. I think he and Hickman would be a, or excuse me, he and Nemhard would be a very dynamic guard room. I think the way that they would play well off of each other. Smith as a guy who can be a catch and shoot player, who can be a secondary creator who you get the ball to and let him just go attack the basket. They could do side to side ball screen actions, I think really capably. And then having Hickman come off the bench where he could come in for Smith and they could just play a two point guard lineup. He could come in for Nemhard uh, and play alongside Malachi Smith. You could have a lineup where Hickman's coming in for Venters or for Yo and playing a three guard lineup where Smith's playing the three. Like you have a lot of options options in that situation I think you'd have all three of those guys playing significant minutes the player who would be the most impacted by Malachi Smith returning outside of Nolan Hickman who obviously would be impacted would be Dusty Stromer I think Hickman and uh, Smith and Nemhard would all play big minutes 
if Smith were to return. So while it would impact Hickman in terms of his overall role, he would still play a lot of minutes. The player who would lose playing time unquestionably would be Dusty Stromer. And I'm not sure that's necessarily that bad of a thing. Again, having not, I, I can't say I've capably scouted Dusty Stromer enough to know how he would immediately acclimate at Gonzaga. We've seen players step up and play big roles as freshmen right away who maybe even weren't regarded that highly. Corey Kispert was outside the top 125. He played big minutes as a freshman, whereas we've seen players with much higher rankings, like Hunter Salas, uh, who come in and don't play, or, or Dominic Harris, or Julian Strother. All those guys were higher regarded in their recruiting class than Corey Kispert. They didn't play as much as freshmen. So it just depends. Right now, I don't think there's a super clear path to playing time. And if Smith comes back, then it's really pretty much gone for Dusty Stromer. If Smith does not come back, which we'll talk about in the second segment, then I think Dusty has more of an opportunity to actually carve out nightly, consistent minutes that he knows he's going to get every single night. If Smith returns, Dusty kind of floats into that fourth guard range, borderline fifth guard range, depending on Steel Venters' situation. And I think he'd be in more of a role where it's like, you played 25 games this year, you played seven minutes per night, but some games you didn't play at all. Some games you played 10 minutes. Like it's just a little bit more inconsistent. Again, players have developed really well through Gonzaga's system by starting out their career that way. So it's not necessarily a bad thing for Dusty Stromer, just different than what the situation would be if Malachi Smith decides to stay, which is what I want to talk about going forward. What happens if Malachi Smith does say, hey, I'm done with college basketball. I'm going the professional route. What does it mean for him? And what does it mean for Gonzaga? Do they then look to add a guard in the transfer portal. Let's discuss all of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. Let me tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bird Dogs. As we move into the summer, and I know here in the Pacific Northwest, it has been nice and summery lately. Uh, we're getting into short season, and I got myself a pair of Bird Dogs for the very first time. And look, this is the most comfortable pair of shorts that I've ever worn. I actually look forward to getting to throw these on every single day. The stretchy fabric is so comfortable. They're much more comfortable than my other shorts, than my other pairs of pants. And they work in all sorts of different environments. I can wear them to the pool. I can wear them to work. I can wear them to my home office here. I can wear them on a date. I could wear just about anywhere. These shorts definitely are applicable. They're super practical. They have this nice cooling liner that helps me feel more comfortable, especially if I'm sitting in here recording back to back to back, sometimes podcasts for you all as I am right now before heading out on vacation. So they help me feel cooler. They help me focus more on the show. And if you want to feel the same way, then you just got to go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter the promo code locked on college they will throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every single order bird dogs a proud sponsor of the locked on podcast network all right segment two still any patents still locked on zags want to thank all of you for making locked on zags your first listen or your first watch of the day Every dayers, we got fantastic stuff coming away this week. As I said, I'm about to head out on vacation, but scheduled in your feed, ready to go live on Thursday and Friday are a pair of interviews, one of them all about Ryan Nemhard, all about UConn, the Big East, a very fun conversation talking about that upcoming matchup with UConn and what Ryan Nemhard brings to the table. Friday, we got an interview with a women's basketball player discussing the three-on-three tournament they participated in earlier this summer, or this spring, I should say, as well as the upcoming trip overseas and what this season's going to look like next year. Those are both going to be ready for you Thursday and Friday, so check them out. Again, wherever you get your podcasts, 
also available on YouTube as well. But we began the show talking about Malachi Smith and what it would mean for the Gonzaga Bulldogs if he were to return to school for his sixth year of college basketball and his final year of eligibility. Now in the second segment here, I want to focus on what it would mean for Gonzaga if Malachi Smith were to leave. And we'll touch briefly on what it means for Malachi again. I don't see him being a player who's selected in the NBA draft. Maybe he'll get a look. I think he'll probably get a summer league look. A lot of players end up getting looks in the summer league. Maybe if he plays well there, he could parlay that into a G League con or a, a two-way contract, an opportunity to play in the G League, maybe get some looks in the NBA. But that's probably about the ceiling that I envision for Malachi Smith. I think more than likely he ends up either playing full-time in the G League, if that's what he wants to do, or perhaps looking overseas to play uh, perhaps in the Euro League, or there's tons of other really excellent leagues over there. We'll have a, an update on some of our other former Zags in the NBA or former Zags and, and what they've been up to, you know, Jeremy Jones, Jonathan Williams playing together in China or excuse me, in Japan this last year, Kyle Wilcher has been killing it in China. Kevin Pango's playing in Italy. Nigel Williams got just won himself a championship, all sorts of fun updates from our former Zags. And I could see Malachi Smith joining that group and being a guy who has a very productive overseas career. Uh, and again, I, I think, for him, the assessment is maybe I'm not an NBA player right now, but is returning to Gonzaga going to get me there? And I think it's fair for him to to have serious questions about that, especially if his role is not going to be improved at Gonzaga. So what does this mean for the Zags if Malachi Smith is out the door? Well, Ryan Nemhart and Nolan Hickman are still your starters. I think that Smith returning does put that in a little bit more flux of whether Hickman would actually end up coming off the bench or whether uh, Smith would then return in a bench role. It's kind of hard to say, but if Smith is gone, then Nemhard's the one and Hickman is the two. And I think Steel Ventures is probably the three. Again, Yo might factor into that conversation. The big gainer here is same as who it would have been in the first segment as a loser is Dusty Stromer. I think you then see Stromer play a bigger role on this roster. He's kind of the third, fourth guard. It sort of depends again, if, if, if we're in a situation where Yo is playing 25 to 30 minutes per game at the three, like re- like replacing Julian Strother as the legitimate three, that creates a much different situation where then your guard rotation is effectively uh, Nemhard and Hickman and Venters and Stromer. So Stromer would then be more of the fourth guard uh, where there's still multiple opportunities per game for the, them to run those three guard lineups when Yo is on the bench or if Yo is playing the small ball four role, which I think is, is a possibility for the Zags as well. So you see an uptick in playing time for Dusty Stromer. I think he's going to play primarily off the ball. I don't really envision him being a, a one at the college basketball level, at least not right away, at least not on a team that has uh, both Hickman and Nembhard on it. And I think those guys could both conceivably be here for the next couple of years, which probably limits Stromer to being primarily off the ball. At 6'6", I think he's probably more of an off-ball guard anyway, Sim- more similarly sized to Steel Venters than he is to the other point guards on the roster. But that's kind of what I envision. I think the big questions for Gonzaga surround whether Dusty Stromer is ready to play a legitimate role right away. And if he's not, then if Yo is ready to play a role right away and Venters can play more of the two-guard role, maybe a little bit less of his minutes come at the three, uh, that would create a situation where Stromer wouldn't necessarily have to play big minutes uh, and the Zags would still be perfectly content. And look, if Yo's ready to play 25, 30 minutes a night, Stromer's ready to play in a smaller ball for or a small roll 10-ish, 12 minutes minutes per game on a regular basis, you may not need to make an addition in the transfer portal. And for you everyday listeners, you know that we've been talking a lot 
about players the Zags could add in the transfer portal. And one of the conversations we frequently come to when we're talking about backcourt players is whether they would be willing to come to Gonzaga without knowing what's happening with Malachi Smith. And as you can imagine, a lot of the players probably don't want to come to Gonzaga unless they know that Smith is gone. And frankly, if you look at Gonzaga's roster, even without Malachi Smith, there's no guarantee that playing time is available there. If Yo is not ready, again, if Yo is going to be more like freshman year Rui, where he's only playing garbage time and he's a little out of control and he's still kind of learning how to adjust to the Gonzaga offense and uh, the style and college basketball, all that stuff. If that's where Yo is and you have Venters playing the majority of the minutes at the three, then yeah, I think you maybe do consider adding a guard in the transfer portal. Again, if you think Stromer is going to give you 20 plus minutes a night and he's going to be really good on both ends of the floor. Great. That would be awesome. If that's who Dusty Stromer is right away. But if not, And you can go find a fourth guard. And Gonzaga loves this fourth guard market. The fourth guard transfer portal market is an area of massive success for Gonzaga. Aaron Cook was added with this specific role in mind. Gino Crandall was added with this specific role in mind. Gonzaga can find these guys. They've done it in the past. They can do it again. Malachi Smith was not a fourth guard, obviously. He ended up playing a bigger role. But a player like Malachi Smith a veteran guy, many years of experience at the college level, big, physical, can handle the physicality in the WCC, doesn't need to play point guard, can play more off the ball, gives you a lot on the defensive end of the floor. That is a great addition for Gonzaga to make. Because right now the guard rotation doesn't impress me all that much defensively. And if you can add in a fourth guard, especially without Malachi Smith, you can add in a guy who kind of replicates that. Uh, It doesn't necessarily need to be as high level of a score, but a guy who can come in and play good on-ball defense and wrestle the ball away from guys and and hit open shots and do that. Like, I think there's an absolute use for a player like that on this roster. They have to find somebody willing to do that, whether it's a veteran guy who wants to get a chance to play for a national championship in his final year of college eligibility, whether it's a younger guy who wants to come in and play a smaller role and then kind of grow and develop within the program. That's a little bit harder to do because, again, neither Ryan Nemphart or Nolan Hickman are necessarily going to be gone after this next year. Same with Dusty Stromer. So you're kind of coming into a situation where you're not necessarily guaranteeing yourself more playing time in future years, which does make it a little bit more complicated, but there've been a lot of guards that we've talked about. You everyday listeners will know that we talked about DeMarco Dunn from the university of North Carolina. We talked about Zion Polin uh, from UC Riverside. We talked about him earlier this week. In fact, we talked about Trey Woodbury from Utah Valley. We talked about Ray J Dennis, who is not a backup guard. Ray J Dennis would come in and start right away. I think that the Zags are probably out on him. His recruitment has gone a lot slower than expected, but Those are guys we've talked about on the show already, and we got more players that we're going to continue to talk about, especially if we do get an announcement that Malachi Smith is uh, not returning to school. If that announcement comes and we have some roster spots to play with, the Zags still may not make an addition. If Watson comes back, Smith leaves, they have one scholarship open, they may leave it open. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But if they do want to explore the transfer portal, they want to find another guard to add into that room, and they feel more comfortable having somebody with experience. we got plenty more guys we can talk about, whether it's Jalen Carey at Rhode Island, whether it's Alan Flanagan out of Auburn, Cam Spencer out of Rutgers, I think fairly unlikely addition there. He's a big-time name. But there are plenty of other players, P.J. Fuller out of Washington. Like There are a lot of guys out there that could conceivably fit a role at Gonzaga next year if Malachi Smith decides not to come back. And we will have them all covered 
on the Locked On Zags podcast. I love doing these transfer portal targets, so we're going to continue to look at them uh, as we get further into the offseason, especially after we know what is going to happen with both Watson and Smith. All right, well, we're going to close out the show taking a look at the three former Zags who played in the G League this past season, how they did, what their stats were, whether we think this is going to help them make the NBA, all coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Sony Patton's still locked on Zags here, talking about the G League, three guys from the Gonzaga University all participated in the G League this past season. All of them played 22 or more games at that level. I want to talk about these three guys. Talk a few, a little bit about the guys who did not participate. We didn't see Killian Tilly in the G League this year. He got cut from Memphis and didn't end up returning to playing professional basketball in the United States. Uh, so that was a bit unfortunate to see that from him. Uh, didn't see Josh Perkins, who we've seen in the past. Kyle Wilcher, guys we've seen in the past who were playing uh, in other places this past season. But we did see three guys who did suit up in the G League. One who's been doing it for a really long time. The other two are a little bit newer to, to, to this uh, league. Uh, first guy I want to talk about is David Stockton. David Stockton had another tremendously successful season uh, at the G League level. A guy who's really elevated his game since leaving Gonzaga. See, he wasn't bad. At Gonzaga, but he wasn't he, he wasn't a star. He was a good role-playing point guard, good passer, decent outside shooter, decent defensively, had the same skills as his dad, John, as a good passer and a good at getting steals, but didn't quite put it all together. But he has produced significantly since leaving Gonzaga in a way that like I was shocked to see him be an NBA player and thought, oh, there's maybe a little nepotism going on here. I mean, frankly, I did think that when David Stockton made the NBA, but you look at the numbers that he put up in the G League and that he's put up overseas, and you're like, oh, he is playing really well at every level that he is playing at, and he deserved those opportunities. And frankly, he probably deserves another shot to get a, a third guard role, you know, some kind of NBA role, uh, because he he killed it in the G League last year. 22 games, played about 32 minutes per night. This is with Fort Wayne, uh, the G League affiliate of the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he averaged 13.3 points per game. He averaged nine assists in 22 games, nine assists per game, tacked on three boards and one and a half steals per game, shot just under 40% from deep, just under 90% from the free throw line. This dude was money last year. One of the best passers in the entire league. He's one of the past best passers in G League history. There is a reasonable chance that David Stockton could eventually be the all-time assist leader in the G League, which if that happens, we could be talking about NBA all-time assist leader John Stockton, G League all-time assist leader David Stockton. Already very fun from them both being Zags and both being in the same family. And someday we might also be talking about WNBA all-time assist leader, Courtney Vandersloot. And if that happens, if all three of those things are true, Gonzaga is apparently the best passing basketball university of all time, because that would be an extraordinary feat. Neither David or Courtney are particularly close to breaking their respective records yet, but they are in theory on track to do so. And that is something we will continue to monitor on Locked on Zags as one of the most fun facts I could possibly think of. Next up, Joel Iai, Joel, a guy who 
did play very briefly in the NBA in his rookie season, 21-22, did not manage to reach a, reach the association this past year, but it wasn't for lack of success at the G League level. His numbers dipped a bit from his first year in the G League to this past year, but he still played 31 games with the Lakeland Magic, the G League affiliate of the Orlando Magic, played about 26 minutes per night, seven and a half points, five rebounds, four and a half assists, 1.5 steals. Again, a dip in the sense that he, I think he was double digit points per game his last year, his first year, I should say, uh, in the G League. But so you saw a little bit of a, a drop in production scoring wise, but still seven and a half points, six boards, four and a half assists. I mean, he still feels like a walking triple double waiting to happen. Like it feels like it could happen any any given day for Joel. Uh, the shooting dropped a bit. He was still 52% from the field, which is very solid, but he's about 34.5% from three. I think the Lack of consistent knockdown three-point shooting is one of the biggest things that is hurting Joel Eiei from reaching, from going from good G League player to legitimate NBA rotation player. There's a big gap right there. Joel is one of many, 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 many players that is kind of just falling between those two places right now. Consistent outside shooting, I think, is one of the things that would get him over that hump. Uh, but he, he also only shot 61% from the free throw line. Not something I'm superly concerned about, but NBA scouts probably want to see him produce a little bit more there to feel more confident in the uh, consistent outside shooting. I think Joel will get another look. I don't think his NBA career is done after two games in the 21-22 season. Uh, but right now, if you're not getting two, two-way contracts, you got to really prove it at the G League level. And he was solid last year, but you got to do a little bit more than that, I think, to stand out and actually get those opportunities in the NBA. Hopefully he'll find a way to do so next year. Final player in the G League out of Gonzaga, Ryan Woolridge, playing for the Oklahoma City Thunders G League affiliate in Oklahoma City. Woolridge played 22 games last year, played about 19 minutes per night, a little less than the other two guys. Still very productive, though, seven points per game, four rebounds per game, two and a half assists, and 1.5 steals. Shot 58% from the field, only 30% from deep. One of my favorite talking points on this podcast, I know some of you everyday listeners are already rolling your eyes a little bit, uh, is is about Ryan Woolridge and how he dramatically improved his three-point percentage from his final year with the Mean Green at North Texas to his first year at Gonzaga and how Gonzaga can kind of sell, hey, you come to our system, you play a role where you're not the focal point offensively, you have less defensive pressure on you and you're able to improve your efficiency. And Ryan Woolridge is kind of the catalyst for that, a player who really demonstrated that you're able to do that in a system like Gonzaga's. And seeing the three-point percentage kind of drop back down down, down to earth for him at the G League level is a little bit unfortunate. Uh, he's also had some highlight reel dunks, some like really tremendous plays that we have seen from him with that Oklahoma City team. And while I'm not sure that there's an NBA career here for Woolridge, you never know. Maybe he gets a 10-day. Maybe he gets a chance to prove himself at that level. But I think it's cool to see him still playing here in the States and still having a ton of success and getting to be relatively close to home uh, you know, in Oklahoma with a, with a G League affiliate. So hopefully he can kind of parlay that into continued success at the G League level and maybe, just maybe, a chance to get even just a cup of coffee in the NBA, which would be very, very cool. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Again, we're going to continue to talk about 
players overseas, players, you know, non, non NBA Zags, what they're doing professionally. It's one of my favorite things to get a chance to cover over the off season. And today felt like a good opportunity to sneak in some of that G league coverage with those three guys, but we'll continue to keep you posted on those guys and various other pro Zags uh, as they continue their professional basketball playing careers right here on the locked on Zags podcast available, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button. If you have not done so yet, Thank you all for listening. I know it's the middle of the week, but I sincerely hope you all enjoy your Memorial Day weekend for those of you out doing something fun and go Zags.